Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. Keep your hands off by Zoken. Hello, and welcome back to Streaming in Place, the sketchy-looking laundromat of TV podcasts. <laughs> We're kicking off week 57. 57 weeks. Okay. Wow. We're kicking off week 57 with the anime from last year, 2020. Keep your hands off Izoken! And I am your host for this show, Noel Kirkpatrick, a.k.a. the guy whose beard always feels kind of heavy. <laughs> And I am joined today by tall bottle of strawberry milk, Kate Kolzek. <laughs> um, Allison Shoemaker is on assignment. I had a really good thing for Allison, but um, next time well, we just won't get to use it because it was very specific to this ref- to this series of episodes. So, as I said, we're talking about "Keep Your Hands Off Izoken," which is a 2020 anime out of um, Science Saru, which is an animation studio. Headed up, um, co-founded in part by um, Masaki Yusa, um, who folks may remember from, if you watch Adventure Time, you remember the Weird Food Chain episode? He directed that. Um, So that may, if you watch that, that'll give you a little bit of context, I feel like, for Aizoken's whole deal. Um, So this is was one of my favorite shows from last year, and I'm very excited to talk about it. And I realized upon watching these two episodes that I feel like this is a really good capstone to our run of animation that we've done on Streaming in Place, especially because this series is nothing, if not nothing else, than just a big, fat love letter to, isn't animation cool, you guys? Isn't it, like, the best? And so I think that there's a lot of stuff to kind of dig into, but I think that we should start first, Kate, with how you felt about these two episodes, and then we can dive in a little bit to talking about the three best girls who ever lived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed these episodes. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to watching the rest of the show. Um, like, just almost immediately, uh, I, was, I, was very, uh, I was very on board with the, the aesthetic, the design. Those credits are amazing. That opening theme easy, song is breezy, so great. Easy, Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, this is, it's another one of those, like, well, obviously you're not going to skip the credits. What's wrong with you? Like, yeah. how, why would you make that an option? Um, I did not realize that Izokin was the name of the club, which I'm sure at some point you mentioned and told me, and I forgot. Yeah. Um, Noel, uh, so I thought one of the, I, I thought that the the character who comes in was Izokin um, versus the club was Izokin. Mm-hmm. So that makes more sense now. Um, but yeah, because I, you know, it's it, it's interesting for me because as someone who enjoys but has a, tends to have a bit of a remove from anime, it's mm-hmm. really interesting to see, like, the discussions. This is clear, like you said, just such a love letter to animation in general, but anime specifically. Yes. Um, and to to watch characters who I think, I feel like in those moments are being characters, but are also very much avatars for the creators of the show. Talk about their passion and their, their love and respect for this genre is really neat. And, um, and it comes from, it's such a, it also captures that pure love of a thing that um, so many of us can feel, but I, th- I feel like is especially hasn't like been wrung out of you yet. Right. <laughs> yeah. When you're a kid. Um, and so like, I, you know, I felt a little bit like I was just being, you know, as, you know, Allison's not here. So there's a little bit of your favorites with Kate calls it going like, 
yeah, the, the, the com- composition's fine. Like, when they're watching the thing, it's like, and then the energy for this, and this, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I see it, but, like, I enjoy that you're so passionate about it, character. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, that, so that's how I, that's how I so often feel about, um, certain animated sequences if I if I, I like I can see what it's doing but it doesn't hit me as viscerally and so it was it was it was neat to see that so specifically and lovingly described and rendered in especially like right off the bat first episode let's show you let's hopefully you are on the same page and you agree but even if you have a bit of a room of like grumpy me <laughs> grumpy Kate does you can it lets you really appreciate where these characters are coming from, it gives you a window into their world, and then through their passion and love for it, you can develop your own passion and love for it and see stuff that you don't normally see. And it's no different than when I like obsess about details of scoring and music or you know, all that stuff, and everybody else is like, "No one's, no one's noticing that, Kate. No one else cares." And I'm like, "But I do, <laughs> and I see you, show composer or whatever it is, you know, and I appreciate you." Um, so, so that's something that it's just, it's such a universal thing to be able to, you know, like if, even if you don't have that, that sort of relationship with anime, with anime or with animation, um, it's such a universal thing for fill in the blank, fill in the blank, whatever your interest is, that it's mm-hmm. an immediate way in to these characters and to this, this club. So I really enjoyed this episode. We're going to talk about the characters, but, um, the, the moment that I knew that I was like, ah, yeah, this is. I see exactly why Noel loves this show was the like, like, and why, why I'm going to really like it too. But it was the sequence where it just goes into the different art form. I was immediately taken to like Paddington, Paddington two, right. With the paper cutout book, right. Mm-hmm. Papa book. And when they go into that, I was like, yeah, yeah, this is like button. He's, they're hitting the button. <laughs> they're hitting the pleasure center button for, for, for Kate with like the different artistic style and all of that. So, I'm looking forward to just exploring this the this world and these characters and their particular mode of expression. Like I, I'm I'm not as like that thread for me is not throughout all of these characters and all of these like all of these two episodes, but that moment, that that perspective and that artistic decision has me very excited for the rest of everything else to come as opposed to just being generally positive and like, yeah, it'll be fun. I was like, no, this is going to be great because of that. So hopefully I've not overhyped it for myself at this point. I will let you know that you have not, I feel like you haven't, but I also really, really love this show. Like this is one of my favorite shows, like in recent memory. Mm -hmm. And I I do want to note, like I also love the theme song. Easy breezy is great. Um, Marcus notes that parts of it hurt his eyes because of the changes of very different but equally bright backgrounds which is super fair because they're very bright and they change a lot um, I, I noticed the uh, the warning, like strobe like effects may, yeah, like if you're photosensitive, they, they make sure to put a warning up on HBO Max for it. Which is a good idea because, yeah, the, the theme song will make things not easy breezy if that is an issue for you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, there's just, there's even just so much to unpack in what you just kind of laid out in like an overview here. And for me, one of the big things is that like, I really love animation and watching particularly um, Asakusa, just explaining, like, this is how everything works, like, when they're talking about Konaso, which is a reference to future boy Conan, which is uh, Miyazaki's first, like, directorial effort. 
Um, which is why everything looks vaguely Miyazaki-esque in that, like the anti-grav machine and the robot and everything looks like it's taken from like Nausicaa or Castle in the Sky. And if you haven't watched any of these movies, they're also on HBO Max. Go watch them. Um, in fact, if you're enjoying the first two episodes of this already, go watch some of the Studio Ghibli films that uh, HBO Max has available um, because those will be touch points going forward for the rest of the show. Um, but all these things that they use to show how animation works down to even like something as simple as like the windmill and how do you show wind, um, and what all that means, I think is really, really important because one of the things I love about animation, but is I think underappreciated is that you have to do everything that you see on screen in a very different way, um, than live action type stuff. Cause someone has to make it. And it's not like it's pre-made and we pulled it from the studio a lot. You may have some assets already somewhere, but for the most part, you have to make everything over and over and over again. And so there's all that care and work that has to go into even the simplest looking thing. Uh, So I really love that the show kind of immerses you in that world really, really quickly. But to your point about, yeah, no, I get it. Like, I don't care super much. Let's talk about Kanamori, who's the best of the best girls, (laughs) as like an audience surrogate almost. So kind of tell me how you felt about Kanamori, and then we'll get into the other two girls as we go on, because Kanamori is the best. Yes, an essential (laughs) bit of counterbalance. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, of course, like we always do, you're presented with these characters, this trio, you know, central trio. And, you know, one of the questions, if you are going to have a podcast talking about a property with a central group of people is, who are you? And I'm none of these characters. I am closest to Kanamori, but not Kanamori at all. Um, As like, I guess Kanamori, but also Fujimoto. Like, like, I guess if I had to like say, you know, which Sex and the City girl or girls (laughs) girl am I? Um, I guess, but um, just I I can appreciate. uh, You know, it's a very necessary counterbalance to the whimsy and uh, the uh, passion. And the like, just the the personality types of our other two creatives, right? So you've got those, you know, you've got the, you know, for those who I don't know why you'd be listening if you haven't watched these yet, but you've got the the two creatives, one of whom is obsessed with setting and one of whom is obsessed with character, and of course blend those together, and then you've got your your world building for your anime and for your design and how you're gonna, you know, and then you've got the person going like, I don't really care but you're my friend so we're hanging out uh and not uh, even that like it, it's it's, it's <laughs> such it is such like you are the person who lives nearby and there's no one else our age energy like <laughs> it is so that's like well i could hang out by myself at home or i can bike over to so-and-so's house and they're the they're, like we are only friends because you're the only person my age and and we get along and the other people are all annoying, so I'm going to hang out with you. Um, and you're into this, and I could definitely make money on this. So that's what we're going to do. <laughs> like, I, it, I, it's delightful. It's a kind of thing that just does not happen we, in the same way when you are an adult or when you are much older, when you get to a big enough school, there's enough people that you can find your people. Like, you're, you're, you know, hopefully you're able to. And... Um, and when you're older, you just don't have the energy. <laughs> you don't have the time. You don't have the energy. But when you're a kid, that's such a thing of like, yeah, they're my next door neighbor. Do we have anything in common? No, but like, 
they're my neighbor, so we're friends, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's delightful. Uh, and, and yeah, the, the counterbalancing of the energies and also, of course, the physicality and the design. Like you're saying, in animation, everything has to be intentional. It has to be drawn. It has to be designed. So there's a lot of intention to, you know, as opposed to this actor came in and really nailed it. So we're going to use them and then we'll figure it out from there. It's like everything is designed. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it really is a very balanced group. Um, yeah. And I feel like this, you know, the I feel like she stands out for me in particular because the other two feel much more like types I'm very familiar with from the limited other anime anime I've seen. Sure. And I'm sure that that is also a subset uh, uh, of a character type, Kanamari is. Um, but I feel like I've seen that much less. Yeah. Um, Kanamori kind of recalls a lot of um, Osakan type of characters. Um, a little bit with the buck teeth. I can't really speak for the accent um, because I'm not good at identifying uh, Japanese dialects and accents particularly well. But the the kind of money grubbing issue is something that's really tied to the Osakan, um, whatchamacallit, the Osaka region and the Kansai region, I think. No, Kyoto region. And so that's kind of baked into her character a little bit. Um, if you watch like other dubs, um, characters from like Osaka and that region tend to be dubbed either with a Bronx accent or like a Southeast Texan accent to denote that they're hicks. Um, Interesting. um, Yeah. And it's just one of those weird things because for a very long time, that area of Japan was basically considered Hicksville. Um, It's not so much anymore, but it still kind of happens with the dubbing. Um, But there's other like things and it's not super, super regional here. I don't think. Um, So that's kind of where Kanamori is coming from. And arguably why you don't see it is because I haven't, you haven't watched a lot of like slice of life type of stuff like this, mm-hmm. um, where that would be something more folded in. Um, so that's, I think you're, I, but I think you're right. I think that the balance of these characters, both visually, but also in terms of personality and everything are really on point. And I guess that kind of brings us to, you mentioned character types. And I think that Mizusaki, who is our model, who's interested in how characters move and um, Asakusa, who are who is our background concept artist, are both very specifically types that you are by far and away probably more familiar with. Um, so let's talk about um, Midori um, Asakusa, who is, looks like a turtle, mm-hmm. um, in part because of like her design, but also that ginormous backpack she has on. Um, and she is just full-fledged, like, otaku type of character. Um, just the nerd of the group who's like, yeah, no, isn't this cool? Let me tell you all about why this is cool. I'm going to tell you about it real quick. Mm -hmm. And poor Kanamori. This was more excruciating than I thought it was going to be. Um, so how did that, how did that character play for you? How did, how did Midori play for you? Uh, yeah, she, like, it took me a second to connect our opening sequence with the character sure. later. Yeah. Uh, so when we see them. So tiny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it, it's just, you know, as someone who started babysitting when I was like 11, it's mm-hmm. big. Let me tell you about all the dinosaurs energy, which yeah. is like, you know, 
it's awesome. <laughs> it's great. It's super, you know, as long as you're not trying to get wrangle the kid to do something that they're not doing while they tell you about dinosaurs, it's great to see that passion and that, like, that connection to whatever the topic is. Um, and to, in this case, specifically to learn more about it and to, about something that I'm interested in and a topic that I should know more about than I do. Um, but the, the character design and the, the way that they immediately connect her fascination with anime to her emotional status or her family life, her situation, but also the art itself. They don't, they don't say, well, she's only into anime because she had to, you know, her mom would sit her in front of the TV. And so she was like, I guess I'll like this because I'm alone. You know, like (laughs) there's an element of that there, but it's more that the, that it's the right thing and for her it's the right art form it's the right mode of expression for her and she's lucky enough that she's able to explore that because her mom is cool with her just sitting and watching tv you know watching anime while she has to go run errands or wait for their wait for for her dad to get home or whatever it is um and i really appreciated i really appreciated that this is this is not the kind of show that's going to present anime as though we get a little bit of that with uh mizusaki which we'll talk about but this is not the kind of show that's going to be like yeah nobody else gets anime except for this character it's like no it's a really popular thing you know for whatever reason mizusaki's parents have it out for anime but like but uh asakusa's mom is on board there's this is a big club that a lot of people are in it's a cultural massive touch point like it's yeah, she's she's not unusual for this passion. Right, yeah. She's very typical, and she's just really good at expressing it and talking about it. Um, I, I think she's the personality type works really well so far. I'm on board. Uh, she's a she's a bulldozer, but that's you know the kind of person you have to be to decide. I'll just make my own club, and we'll just like you know it's a film club, which because anime is a kind of film, but we just won't mention. That bit, and anyone who's done any level of bureaucracy around school administrations can, like, you know, game recognize game. So, uh, you know, like, I, I, I really enjoyed her, and I think the design combined with the character stuff we're seeing so far is really working. Good. I'm really glad. And you have no idea the school bureaucracy and the layers of it that they're going to have to go through, um, because this is a show that... I don't remember when they get introduced, but that has an absurdly powerful student council as most Japanese high school shows do. Mm -hmm. So that becomes actually the primary problem that they face is the overly powerful student council. Okay. Um, So that, that is the real problem they run into um, because they've cowed that poor faculty advisor, not the faculty advisor of Fujimoto who kind of doesn't care um, but the faculty guy that they keep running into and that Konamori just scares half to death um, with her producer logic. Um, but that leaves Mizusaki, who is our rich girl and amateur model, but is also like deeply, deeply famous already in this very twisted, warped city um, that doesn't make any architectural sense. And I love that. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about uh, Mizusaki and how you're feeling about how she fits into this triumvirate. Well, uh, you know, she's the famous rich model because, of course, she is because, mm-hmm. like, like you have to have one of those characters in a high school set 
anime. That sofa was only 3 million yen just taking up space in our house. Yeah, yeah. I thought I enjoyed the, ah, I just stabbed a 3 million yen because I'm with a fork. Ah, like... Yeah, very good. Um, yeah, I for me that I find that um, it's hard for me to not roll my eyes at all that, and mm-hmm. I just remember like, no, it's a, like you don't roll your eyes at you know the it's like it's time for our musical episode or it's time for our western episode, so don't roll your eyes at this. It's it's a staple of the genre. Just go with it. Um, I enjoy that the parents, her parents are actors, but they are not down with anime because she's not going to make any money on it. <laughs> um, so I think that's hilarious. Like a hilarious blending of um, artists, like, like the, um, as someone who works in the arts, the number of times I've had parents uh, talk about, they want to really encourage their kids with their music lessons but of course they don't want them to go into music of course not that's ridiculous uh but but we want them to be as as good as if they were going to go into music but then to not go into music (laughs) so you know so like i can totally like yep that sounds familiar and i get why and i understand and everything like that like i'm not judging those those parents or anything like that It, it just felt very real to me um and it also feels like she's got to be an only kid right because i think she is that's my recollection i don't think that there's another child or if there is it's that child is very young yeah because otherwise they would know that that's not gonna work because if you forbid them from the anime club then that's of course what they're gonna want to go do so like (laughs) that's the surest way to you know to make sure that they join izoken which is not the anime club mom at all no, no, it's the live action film club, which is what Izokin means. Is live yeah, it's the live film. action film. It's the live action film that just don't work. Don't drink it. Um, but isn't the anime club like the anime culture research club? So are they actually doing any production? And- are they? Are they even? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that the some of the storylines for her so far, like you mm-hmm. know, running away from her bodyguards and all the, these various understandings, it allows for some hijinks that for me are less connect, like distract are more distracting from the actual story but i think um i think they add a a a appreciated a level of um energy and movement and uh like hijinks the proceedings that without i think it would be easy for it to feel kind of stayed and um you know very tng we're gonna all sit in the conference room and talk about (laughs) philosophy and such um and so like you know there's some there's some I get to go back to hijinks that we get because of her and because of the need to keep it all secret, right? right. Concocting these reasons that they have to be sneaky about stuff um, allows for some more shenanigans. And yeah. I'm excited to see what's going to come next. Yeah. No, I am too. I'm excited to hear what you and Allison and Marcus um, feel as well. Um, I guess I want to close real quick then with, you mentioned the shifts in art style that happened when we kind of, enter the animated world basically Mm -hmm. of their imagination which subsumes everything else including Kanamori who has no idea what's going on Mm -hmm. um but is somehow still sucked in how did those sequences play for you because we get the first one which is the sort of uh dragonfly um air escape slash dog fight and then the we're gonna destroy this building so that there's wind (laughs) Um, and then a boat happens um, how, tell me how you felt about both of those sequences. Oh, they're great. They're just so, they're so visceral. There's, they really capture more than anything else. The, like the, the, those sequences, 
capture better than any other part of these first two episodes, at least for me, the monologuing that we get where where we see um, uh, Asakusa, Asakusa explaining what anime means to her. Mm-hmm. That's we. I don't get that in any of the actual sequences of them actually living their lives or the 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 of the anime that they're watching and describing. Uh, but you get that in those sequences instead, and that's really striking to me. It's inter- like it's, I thought it was really interesting that for me, watching Asakusa describe exactly how much this sequence that that we are also watching means to her and why and what is so effective about it and 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 how it's working and why this is a great example of anime and and the impact it can have left me completely flat aside from the actual performance of that character and you know connecting to that passion but then i could immediately feel that in those change as soon as they change the art style as soon as they go into that um and I, I mean, I don't know how intentional that is if they were like, let's actually make this part flat so that when we do, when we do our version of it, it'll work. But I don't think that's the case. Um, but I was struck by just how impactful that was and how effective that was. Yeah. And Marcus asks while it was happening, and this is in the first episode, uh, the dragonfly escape made me one made him wonder if the bodyguards were actually there and that the scene was their actual escape. Um, and I think it's actually more of a recreation of their escape in this imaginary realm. Because they're still in the waiting room above the laundry mat. Um, they're just staring really intently at that capsule that they've done a quick overlay of um, against the window. Which is serving as a de facto light box um, for them to look at. And so I think that's what's happening there. Is that there's no extra bodyguard because... They leave really quickly to get the last train um, for Mizusaki uh, because otherwise, meh, she's not going to get home. But she also is the sun, the most powerful light bulb. <laughs> yes, Marcus, that is correct. Um, and she left all her clothes at that sketchy looking laundry mat, which will come back. Like, I love that laundry mat. And there's also like a bathhouse attached to it, I think. Um, later on, we find out. Um, so it's just a really great space. Um, yeah, I love those sequences. And almost every episode has one of those um, because they're like the center point. They're the set piece of each episode that to your point really kind of always bring together whatever they're actually discussing in the abstract um, when they're talking about whatever it is that they want to do. So with like the takes the stage episode where they're talking about the nature of a massive old school um, animation camera stand, which just gorgeous and really beautiful that they incorporate that and tell you how it works and everything because I feel like that's just lost knowledge in a lot of ways of so much is done on tablets and like draw screens and directly into computers now uh, that thinking about cell work and that kind of thing just doesn't happen as much anymore. So the ways in which that gets built, I think is really compelling. I really like that they include that. Um that you, you just get the sense of illustrations of all the concepts. And I really and you get that with like the chase really mirrors a lot of the stuff that we see with the um, Conan Boy of the Future um, sequence in the screening room, um, both with them running through the theater, but then later in the actual animated sequence, there's a lot of like little visual touches and callbacks to that from them trying to push the thing to get it started like they're pushing the anti-grav uh, flying device and all that kind of stuff. 
So there's this beautiful sense of symmetry that comes across in each episode about what they're talking about and how it ties back into whatever imagined verse animated sequence that they get that has this pencil sketch type of thing that becomes more detailed as they become more proficient and as they're building something because they do have to turn something in eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, I just, I gotta be, I mean, well, I don't need, but I would appreciate if you're able to give a little reassurance, this is sure. not going to be a rent my eyes situation, right? Okay. Where, like where we build, spend the whole musical or rock opera in that case, talking about how great this song is going to be. And then you actually get to the song and the song sucks. And it's clearly the weakest song of the whole show. Um, mm-hmm. That's not going to happen here, right? No, they actually have to build multiple um, projects across the, okay. the series run. So they've okay, got great. a, the next two episodes, and this is a great thing. I'll go ahead and kind of spoil. The next two episodes deal with them trying to build that project. Mm-hmm. The first one that they have to build. Um, and then they have to do a, a couple of like other projects across the next few episodes. So there are multiple projects and they are. That helps. They're successful to varying degrees because these are high schoolers with no budget until Kanamori can extort more money from people somehow. <laughs> or like get 30,000 yen from posting an accident video on a website because Kanamori has somehow seen the Jake Gyllenhaal film Nightcrawler and knows how everything works. Um, so yeah, let's. I'll give you the episode titles for episodes three and four. Marcus, if you have any final thoughts, drop them into the chat. So episode three is called "Let's Accomplish Something," and then episode four is "Hold That Machete Tight." Um. So Ooh. thoughts. Okay. Okay. So uh, let's accomplish something. Uh, is uh, I'm gonna go with they have like they have to put together a short or something. Um, and they're like, I'm not sure if they're going to do it because they don't have enough time, but then it's, we need to, let, let's, let's just go for it. Let's get anything. Let's just get it done. Uh, let's, let's actually put something together and, um, and, and there's going to be the back and forth of if it's good enough or all that, that's what I'm going to say. And versus mm-hmm. like, you know, no, you just need to bang it out and you need to, um, finish something. Cause you know, the whole, like, you're never done with something it just at a certain point gets taken from you because it's the deadline um so that so that and then hold that machete tight uh i'm gonna say there so <laughs> let kind of mori it has to be a body stand in like for for modeling the motion of a machete and is really not into it uh initially um but then becomes a little too into it by the end is okay. what i'm gonna say that that is about um and then we get an animated sequence of Kanamori as some sort of machete wielding badass, um, or like you know, the, like the the that Kanamori is like the the motion wherever the art, you know, like the the body, you know, doubling kind of thing that they do f- to be an example for animators, mm-hmm. that kind of a thing. And the character that is then based on her, but not her, it, it gets to have a fun imaginary sequence of some sort. That's what I'm going to go with. Okay. I will tell you that you are really, really accurate for one of those. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you which one though. Okay. It's the show. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, <laughs> um, uh, Marcus um, suggests using live action and animation together to get around the rules. Even if it's just one second of live action, a la Wormageddon. 
Very good. Um, I like that. Idea. That's a good idea that they don't think of. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, regrettably, though there is a live action adaptation of this as well that um, I have not watched any of. Um, but there is a live action adaptation of this um, around as well, as well as a live action film that came out uh, September of last year. Okay. So, yeah. So that's going to be it for streaming in place today. We will be back on Wednesday to discuss those next two episodes. Let's accomplish something and hold that machete tight. Uh, Marcus, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Kate, thanks as always. And we'll talk to you on Wednesday. Bye. Bye.